Welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is John Lombardi. I'm joined here by Chris Kumis. Say hello, Chris. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, this is episode one, so a little introduction is probably in order. Uh, we call this the Run to Win podcast, and let me explain why we do that. Back in the 60s, the Green Bay Packers were uh, going for the playoffs, uh, chasing this uh, third world championship in a row. They were going to play in the second Super Bowl. They had beaten the Chiefs in Super Bowl one. And before the playoffs started, Coach Lombardi, who uh, I'll give you a little heads up, happened to be my grandfather, uh, he shared, and I'm going to read it for you here, a Bible verse. And it says, uh, it's from Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians. Don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. And that was kind of their mantra, their motto throughout the playoffs. No pro football team has ever won three NFL championships in a row before then, and no uh, NFL team has won three in a row since then. Uh, the Super Bowl ring uh, for that second Super Bowl actually has run to win uh, imprinted on the side of it. So that is kind of what we're, uh, we're going to talk about. We're going to get into some sports. We'll probably talk about all sorts of stuff. You never know. It's whatever's going on in our lives, going on in the world, uh, but primarily sports. And I mentioned uh, in our intro, which uh, the, the episode kind of before this, the, that while this is not an explicit podcast, you might hear a swear word every now and then. Uh, so we apologize in advance if uh, that bothers you, but uh, we'll try and keep that to a, a minimum. So Chris, yeah, uh, you know, people... Not a lot of people may know you. Some people listening probably do know you, but why don't you, where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. All right, so I'm from Manhattan, New York, and uh, when John was talking about the swear word, that'll probably come from me. That's just sort of how I grew up with swear words, didn't really, you know, not a big deal, but I'll try to keep it to a minimum. Um, I grew up in New York as a huge Yankees fan as a kid. Um, you know, I just emulated my dad's teams. He was a Yankees fan and a Jets fan. Now I know that uh, normally it's Jets, Mets, Giants, Yankees, but believe me, you uh, can sit there and say, well, you took the Yankees. Yeah, well, I also got the Jets, so, you know, there's that burden. Uh, but those were my two teams growing up. Uh, I moved out of New York approximately when I was eight years old to South Florida and uh, really wasn't a huge football watcher until I got down to Florida because football was so big down there. Got into watching, you know, that as well as baseball. And then friends of mine played soccer. I went out for the soccer team, got involved in that. They had a great professional soccer uh, following down there for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Uh, that was back in the NASL, back when Pele used to play for the Cosmos. And, I mean, I just look back on my childhood, and it was just fantastic because it all revolved around sports. And I became a huge sports fan. Uh, now, I became conflicted trying to support the home team there and the home teams that I was uh, that I came from in New York. And I ran into a dilemma right off the get-go when the Jets and Dolphins, who I, you know, I was watching the Dolphins. I was a Dolphins fan because, hey, I was living in Florida, and I didn't really know a lot as a kid, and I didn't realize they're, you know, they're competing against each other, and they wound up uh, that particular year, AFC Championship. Uh, game was played in the Orange Bowl. I got to go, um, and at that point, I pretty much uh, made my decision. I was going to keep my allegiance to where I came from. And from then on, I hated the Dolphins ever since. <laughs> so you were kind of a sports bigamist? Yes, I guess you could say that. Cheating uh, on the Jets with the Dolphins? I, I, then... I didn't realize it at the time. And then I did feel a little guilty and realized uh, how it worked. And you can't have both, uh, especially that rivalry. So like I said, I went to the game. And an interesting story about that, I remember it was pouring down rain. A.J. Dewey. For the Dolphins had two interceptions that game ran one back for the touchdown and broke my heart uh, but I actually and this this was part of uh, my hatred for Dolphins and Dolphin fans from then on even though I wound up of course growing up in the area being friends with a lot of them um, I got a beer poured on me at the game because I was wearing a Richard Todd jersey and I never forgot that and I held that against them ever uh, to this day actually <laughs> so um, but was, you know, it, was it a good beer? Uh, you know, I didn't get to taste beer, it, John. I, just, I only got to wear it. 
uh, and it was already pouring down rain, so I guess it didn't matter that much. But I was shocked that, uh, you know, I think I was nine at the time, and an adult pretty much, obviously, was the one who spilled it on me. So, I, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that day and, you know, uh, used it for the rivalry uh, ever since then. But my main sport and love was soccer, being that that was the sport I was best at. I played a little baseball, wasn't very good. Um, wound up going ahead and playing soccer in high school, which was one of the best times of my life, and was fortunate enough to go on to get a, a scholarship in college at a, a small school in Mississippi called William Carey University. That's what it's called now. It was William Carey College then. Uh, it's not even there anymore. The Hurricanes uh, got the best of it. Uh, but they still have a campus in Hattiesburg. And that's where I met my uh, future wife, or present wife, I should say. Um, no, no more. No, Once I'm, in future. Yeah, no more wives. Uh, one, one and done with that. Uh, in a good way, though, you know what I mean. Um, but so when I was in Mississippi. Her name's you know, Tracy, yeah, by my, the way. Yeah, my wife, Tracy, I met her, and uh, she was from the Nashville area. And even though we did the long distance thing after she graduated, she graduated about a year before me. I went home, did some substitute teaching, wanted to get into coaching, and it just wasn't happening there. So I figured, yeah, what the hell, let's get married. And, you know, uh, she had a good job at the time. And still ever does. since, yeah, she still, still does. does. And I, and I, you know, I, I do a little everything. Um, since then, I think the only thing left from there, uh, I obviously, huge sports fan uh, all my life. I've been very passionate about, you know, playing, coaching, and watching. Um, and one of the, probably one of the things I learned more than uh, that's stuck with me to this day on the coast there at William Carey, and this had nothing to do, they didn't have obviously legalized sports gambling then, but all the guys on the team love to bet on football. So at age you know, 21, uh, now you know what, how old do you have to, you could be 21. Um, so we'll, I was 21. Fudge, we'll fudge it. Um, and you know, first bet, a football game couldn't remember who was playing but I won and I was hooked ever since problem is you win the first one and uh, you know if you don't know what you're doing which let's face it most people with sports gambling you know they they want to bet on their favorite teams they want to bet on the favorites they're just you know they're blinded by their decisions and so one thing that I like to think I bring to the table here is some sports gambling experience and we can get into that later on but uh, so here I am, uh, the way John and I met each other, also through soccer. Uh, our daughters played soccer together since a young age, and now they're off to college. So that goes to show you how long we've been uh, going ahead and hanging out. Um, but that's about it. And I think some of the other things might come out. Uh, you know, I'll yeah, probably we'll... refer to some stories in my past, and you'll get to know a little bit more about me as uh, as we go on. Okay. Good. Good, Chris. Um... A little bit about myself. Uh, I grew up all over. My dad worked in football, uh, worked for the Seahawks, worked the NFL uh, in Detroit with the United States Football League. Uh, went off to college. I played lacrosse in college, actually. Um, when I got out of college, I, I, I myself worked in football. I uh, worked in NFL Europe for a couple years. Got a job with the Cleveland Browns. Um, while I was working for the Browns, I got a master's degree at Ohio State in sports management, or sports administration. I can't keep that straight. Worked for the Browns when Coach Belichick was there under Mike Lombardi, was a general manager. I mean, the names that were on that staff are, are, are you know, Saban was there. Um, one of the coaches got the head coaching job at Vanderbilt. I came down to Nashville with him as a graduate assistant football coach, was here for a couple years. The uh, Oilers moved to Nashville. I was fortunate enough to get a job with them, worked for them for a couple of years. Uh, in the process of uh, living here in Nashville, I met my wife, who's, uh, I won't fumble over that like Chris did, but we're still married. We've got four kids. Um, kind of decided to get out of sports due to the, uh, the long hours. I was working as a scout for the, uh, the Titans and was gone about 40 weeks a year. That just didn't seem... Uh, like a good thing to do as a father and a husband. So uh, I do come from a family of sports folks. Like I said, my dad worked in pro football. My grandfather obviously was a coach. Uh, my brother's a coach. Still got a lot of friends who, who work in the NFL and college. Um, unlike Chris, I never really had a team. People are surprised I'm not a Packer fan. 
Um, and while I do like to see the Packers do well, just for old time's sake, um, you know, I've had too many allegiances, you know, my Seahawk fan, because my dad worked there. I worked for Cleveland. I worked for the Titans. Uh, you know, my brothers worked for a couple teams in the NFL. You know, who do I root for? So I, I'm more just a fan of sports, more a fan of good football. Um, so I don't really have that emotional attachment to a team. Unlike, you know, Chris touched on this, though, when it comes to, um, and I'm not a big gambler. He's the big gambler. Um, I am an emotional gambler. I, I, I like to place a bet on a team that I like, that I want to see win, and I know that's stupid. You have to be uh, unemotional when it comes to uh, looking at the, the lines and, and all that. Uh, I'm more of a sport gambler. You know, I do it for sport, not for anything like that. So uh, now that we've kind of introduced ourselves, let's move on. Uh, first topic, and we've, we've got to kind of talk about this because, uh, you know, it's the big news from the weekend, Andrew Luck retiring. Uh, it's been a few days since that happened, but uh, uh, let's address it. Um, and Chris, you and I have talked about this off air. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people coming down on both sides of this. Um, some people think that, you know, there's some, uh, there's a conspiracy. You know, did he know he was going to retire and the Colts talked him into staying to get season ticket revenues in? Um, you know, did he try and retire a year ago? How long have the Colts known? You know, all, all these things. Um, and, you know, then there's the other side of it are people like, oh, he's brave and this is selfless, not selfish. I saw Aaron Rodgers said that. And, you know, the Colts fans booed him on Saturday night when it came out uh, during the game. And again, Aaron Rodgers said that, that you know, that was disgusting. Uh, you know, what's your take on it, Chris? What do you think? Well, I think uh, the fans have a point. They, they have a right to boo him. Uh, it, now, don't get me wrong. There's, and I always try to keep an open mind there's two sides to every story we we won't probably ever know andrew luck's full side i i don't think because if it's just being burnt out then there's really no excuse for him not having known that going into the season and to wait this close till the actual uh you know start of the nfl season to make this decision is not only not fair to his teammates to the franchise and to the fans uh who pay you know I don't even know what they, they pay for season tickets there, but, uh, you know, like we talked about off air, it, it, they they could be a little bit duped and feel a little duped, and especially the way that it's come out. And uh, I was shocked. We were sitting here actually uh, watching the uh, uh, Hurricanes-Gators uh, game the other night when it came across the bottom ticker, and, yeah, I was blown away. And I thought it might be something more to it. I just don't know because uh, – you know, I think we know how we feel about, uh, I, I mean, he's in an, a unique situation, unlike, let's just say, a regular person who doesn't like their job, okay? He, sure. He's got enough money to last him the rest of his life if he manages it correctly. So I, I yeah, go yeah, ahead. I, I've, you know, I saw somewhere he's made over $100 million in his NFL career. Uh, I would think that's enough, but, you know, we've heard... <laughs> about athletes and celebrities who have gone through that no problem but i think he's probably a pretty smart guy and probably you know got some good management in that department but uh at the end of the day i just don't know where you know this is a sudden decision so i i'm having a hard time buying yeah. uh that he doesn't deserve a little of this ridicule as to his timing yeah timing for me is what's what's the problem i understand if he had retired after the season or during OTAs or something like that, or I wouldn't have had an issue with it. Uh, it's so close to the season. Like you said, he, he's kind of putting his, his teammates, the franchise, the fans in a position uh, that, uh, you know, is not really what you'd want to see. Um, you know, what, was there something going on behind the scenes? Again, we'll never know. Uh, you know, one thing that did occur to me, and, you know, you, you comment on this, Chris, if you feel necessary, is, you know, he, he's, uh, he didn't come from, uh, you know, an, uh, what's the right word, not a normal background, but, you know, a lot of guys who play in the NFL, you know, don't come from anything. You know, they, they struggle, they're, they're lucky to get a scholarship to college, they probably wouldn't have been able to get a college, not all of them, of course, but uh, a large part of them, and and they, you know, they struggled to get where they are. You know, Andrew Luck's dad uh, was a, an, a pro quarterback. You know, not much of a 
not a starter necessarily, although I'm sure he started some games. And uh, you know, now he's the head of the XFL, the commissioner, the president, or whatever it might be. Uh, was an AD, I think, at West Virginia. You know, he's been an executive. Um, you know, so he, he comes from means. So you know, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure that plays into it. You know, he, he doesn't necessarily. You know, there was that big joke that uh, you know Bill Lambeer, who's not everyone's favorite NBA player, but mm-hmm. he was, uh, he used to joke that he's the only guy playing in the NFL whose dad made more money than him. His dad was, a, I think, a railroad executive. Oh, wow. And this is before they were making, you know, $20 million All a right, year. Right, but, right. Uh, you know, nevertheless, uh, you know, so I, I don't know how much of his, uh, you know, his upper class upbringing had anything to do with the fact that it was easy to walk away. So what you're talking about there is what I'm getting is uh, maybe a lack of hunger. Because I, what that reminds me of is a couple of guys who are, uh, one still plays in the NFL, one retired uh, however many years ago, uh, the Mannings. I mean, they came from a similar situation. Uh, obviously, Archie was uh, a little more popular than Andrew's dad uh, as far as his NFL career. But at the same time, you know, uh, then you have uh, Peyton who went through the whole neck injury. Well, you know, hey. How much money? Gosh, I mean, between he'd won his, a Super Bowl, he'd won the Super Bowl already. Yeah. He's got Papa John's and endorsements coming out the wazoo. Yeah. Um, you know, he's even now to the point where he, he's as marketable as as they come uh, as far as future income. So Peyton wanted to play, and I think it comes down to Andrew just didn't want to play anymore. And uh, and I'm not saying I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm not trying to make light of his pain. Uh, and that's where I, I've always won, I wondered since this story came out if there was a, a, a painkiller issue maybe. He was either afraid to have to live on them and that he would get hooked on them or maybe even if – and yeah, I'm just throwing this out there. It's just speculation whether or not maybe he's hooked on them and, and doesn't want to go down this road any further because, you know, it's not a good road to go down. Yeah, because it, it, it seems to me the injury he's got, which is they're vague about it. We really don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Is that you know I tell my kids you know are you hurt or are you injured you know if you're hurt you can still play if you're injured don't play and you know the question was you know obviously with his shoulder injury which had him sit out all year that was an injury that was something he couldn't play with but is, is this a question more of uh, you know he's not playing in the preseason because they don't want to aggravate it but if it were the playoffs he would play and it's just a question of managing pain mm-hmm. and there's things like that that go into it you know we really don't know and again you know well, uh, I think the only our, thing that left our on thing the, here uh, is yeah. to speculate about those right but right, you, right. You, you, well, just, you, you just uh, can't know uh, again it comes back to this for me the timing yes you know I we talked about this the other day I've got you know little kids and um, you know when they were seven eight nine ten and they were going out for you know uh, rec basketball and they would be, you know, uh, shy, and they didn't want to show up at practice because, you, know, you know, they just felt kind of weird. New people, new environment. And they say, oh, I don't want to play anymore. And I told them all, and, and I said to them, I go, you know what? You signed up for this team. You committed to be on this team. They staffed this team because you were going to be there. You know, every team's got eight or nine kids, whatever it is. You have to commit to this team. Now, if you don't want to play next year, that's fine. But mm-hmm. right now, you're on the team. You're going to go. Yeah. And, um, you know, Vontae Davis, I think that was his name. Remember that guy? He, he retired at halftime of a game like two or three years ago. <laughs> you know, that's the extreme version. <laughs> you know, he really left them in a lurch at halftime. <laughs> this is, you know, and they have what I, a lot of people think is, is, a, is a decent backup quarterback. So, you know, are they going to be okay? Uh, who knows? 5-12 and 12 as a starter. Is that correct? Yeah, he is, but, you know, he's, uh, you know, some people have good thoughts about him. We'll see. I mean, he's going to get his chance. Um, the real loser, I think, in this whole thing, other than is Ryan Grigson, who was the general manager of the Colts, who got fired, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. And this just further, I think, illustrates what a poor job he did. Uh, he, he didn't get any linemen to protect Luck, and he just – you know, some of the things you saw after he announced this is that he was under pressure more than any other quarterback in the NFL in the games he's played in the last couple of years. Right. So, um, 
again, it is what it is, and the timing is what I have a problem with. Not that he retired, not that he doesn't want to play anymore, not that he didn't want to go through the rehab and the pain. I mean, I blew my knee out twice in college. I, I know what it's like to rehab, uh, you know, just the monotony of it, the boredom of just sitting there uh, doing the things you need to do to rehab. I get it. I, I understand that. Yeah. You know, it comes uh, down to, like you said, the timing. Now, one, one thing I think we have to focus on a positive, and I already, you know, sort of uh, gave a negative uh, skew on my half. Uh, he's 5-12 and 12 as a starter, but what an opportunity for – a backup quarterback it's all of a sudden his team yes. so you know who knows it could be a story you know uh could be the story of the season as far as now don't get me wrong i'm not saying i think the colts are going to go on to the afc championship but in a in a you know a suspect mediocre yeah. afc south who knows maybe yeah. they make the playoffs and uh this guy goes ahead and turns his career into something and he becomes you know one of these stories they do a 30 for 30 about. You know, I mean, think about this. Uh, Brett Favre came off the bench when Don Mikowski got injured. Did anybody have any idea that he would, Right. you know, now he had played in fewer games. Right. Uh, you know, side bet or side, side note, do you know who Brett Favre's first completion was? Oh, absolutely not. To no. himself. <laughs> got batted up and he caught it. So. It was not his last completion to himself, I believe. <laughs> no, it, that was his first. His first completion was to yeah. himself. That's a, that's a funny trivia tidbit that is, you that can use. Something. Okay, so next next thing we want to talk about, Chris mentioned it earlier, Miami Hurricanes, Florida Gators played Saturday night. Um, not the greatest football game you ever saw. You're being kind. I'm being kind, yes, thank you. Um, you know, it was exciting down the, you know, down the end, uh, Miami – had ample opportunity, thanks to Florida's uh, mental mistakes, to possibly pull that game out. Uh, you know, we saw a missed field goal. We saw uh, a muffed punt. We saw a, I think it was fourth and 34. That's correct. Uh, with a minute something left, Florida commits pass interference, automatic first down, 20 yards down the field. So even if he caught it, it's not a first down. He would have had to run another 14 <laughs> yards. Um, you know, start of the game, Miami had, I think, six mental mistakes, uh, illegal procedure, uh, a couple um, delay of games. They actually had to call timeout once, maybe twice, because yeah. they were going to have delay of game uh, as it was. So, again, we're glad football's back. It was a – you don't see many good matchups at the beginning of the season between uh, well-regarded teams like this. So, you know, we, we want to see these kind of games early in the season. But this does bring up uh, a topic we want to talk about a little. You know, college, they don't have preseason games. You know, the NFL does. They have four. Uh, you don't see a lot of the uh, the starters play much in those preseason games. It's more for, you know, Chris, you, you can talk about this if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, more for the down-the-roster guys to try and make, uh, make it. But, you know, timing and, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator getting – the play in, you know, that kind of stuff is, is what you need in some of these games to have a run through, especially with the new staff. You know, I, I believe Miami's coach, it was, uh, he was new in that position. Right. He was the defense coordinator, and now he's new to be the head coach. So um, we're going to take a break real quick, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about that. Preseason, right. do we need it? Okay, we're back. Um, so we were talking before the break uh, about uh, the the lack of sharpness in that Miami Florida game, and you know, obviously I don't ever think we're going to see a preseason college game. Uh, that's just not going to happen. But would it improve the play? You know, in in the NFL, do they really need four preseason games? Would they be better off with one, maybe two? Um, you know, I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers has played this uh, preseason. He was supposed to play up in Winnipeg, but with the bad field they had up there, he didn't play. I saw Drew Brees. I think he played eight snaps in their game, uh, this the third preseason game. He threw six passes, or maybe he threw eight passes and completed six or something like that. But he, he was on for one series. <laughs> yep. You know, Mariota was, uh, um, you know, the Titans played. Mariota played two series. He was supposed to play more, but the Titans couldn't protect him. The, the coach even admitted that's yeah. why he did not yeah, yeah, partake in another series. Yeah, yeah. so, 
you know, what is the balance? What is, uh, what do we need? Do you need, should we just, no preseason games and we just all understand, you know, week one, week two, it's going to be, you know, a monkey cluster. Well, let's face it, football's always been a game. I mean, they've made all these uh, these videos over the years about uh, the blunders that go on during football season. I, you know, is it worth, is the trade-off worth risking your franchise quarterback or even st- other star players? And I'm just going to go ahead and get right out there with it. Uh, with the amount of money that's invested in these star players, I don't think they should play in any preseason games I think and uh, let's just take the quarterback for instance okay at practice they put the vest on the quarterback he's not to be touched so he still has the benefit of dropping back trying to get his timing down uh, learning the plays all of that at practice where it's understood he's not going to get touched which is where let's face it I'm not saying something a freak accident still couldn't happen he could drop back as Achilles but it's just you're, you're going ahead and you're really taking out a lot of the risk where obviously the other team playing against him, if, if I'm playing on the other team in a preseason game and I know that maybe I play this, uh, this team down the road or even in the Super Bowl, if I can take out their best player, shoot, I'm sorry, that's where we come from back in the 80s. That was our mentality even playing soccer, you know. Um, so why do I want to give someone a free shot at my quarterback or receiver or running back? Um, and, and what I was going to say is, as far as the quarterback partaking in a preseason football game, is him getting hit? Is that preparing him for the regular season? Does he need to get hit to do that? You know, I, I mean, I get, you know, I, I know the big thing in football. And I never played football, so I'm going to throw that out there. I mean, I did, you know, flag football, played in the yard, PE with my friends, loved it, loved it. Would have loved to have played football, but, you know, there's only so many hours in a day, and I played uh, baseball and soccer. So... I didn't get that opportunity like I would have liked. But at the same time, you know, to answer your question, I, I just uh, I just don't think it's worth putting the stars at risk because especially in this day and age, uh, the backups, you know, can you survive on a backup? If you remember, was it Frank Reich from the Buffalo Bills when Kelly went down? Back in the 80s, I'm sorry, I just think you, you had such you had such a great quarterback core there the backups could uh, come in yeah, you know I, I think, and i know you I disagree with roman- me on this point roman- romanticizing that i mean no, you, you i had, don't think so you you had 32 teams you have a couple of those guys you didn't have you okay. didn't have 60 backups i can right name a, a few teams but you know you, when uh, uh don strock came in for uh the dolphins as the backup uh and i mean you had woodley who was playing there for a while then of course uh, marino um, but nobody really thought, uh, no, thought, oh gosh, our season's over when the backup comes in. Now, I'm pretty sure most uh, NFL teams feel like if Aaron Rodgers goes down, the season's over. If Tom well, Brady it's, it's, goes down, the season's over. Uh, well, Brady went down and, and they went 10 and 6 and they didn't make the playoffs. Make it, yeah, uh, Rodgers has gone down, uh, missed significant time twice, and the Packers season has basically been over. Um, I think it's not so much that. Um, backups are worse which it could be i think that the the importance the value of the quarterback all of the rules have been directed to improve passing and mm-hmm. offense of course and so the quarterback is just so much more important and, and not to drag my grandfather into it but you know he, he once said that football was the perfect game except for one thing the quarterback was too valuable too important yeah and that was 1969 or 68 or something. And well, here we are, 50, changed. 60 years later, whatever it is. And um, they're even more important than they were back then. And I think that is an indication that is, you know, why when they get hurt, it hurts you so much more than it did when we were kids in the 80s. Go ahead. So um, as far as doing away with preseason altogether, not necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of guys trying to make it in this league, and you know what? From a coaching standpoint, the evaluation against another another team, uh, I think, is is very very necessary. Um, however, it's probably you know one of these things that should be done, and and they do do this where they have the teams that are practice probably going to put they have, yeah they practice against the other teams. I think maybe 
we reduce it to that. I don't know if uh, selling tickets to these games is part of why they won't get away from it. Um, but I know <laughs> as a fan to go and watch, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, okay. It's two what, extra games. You, you, now, you know, like the Packers, mm -hmm. the Packers reduced the price of the preseason games. Mm -hmm. I think down to 20 bucks, but they increase the price of the regular season game. Mm. So you, you, they're getting the same amount of money. They're just making you mentally feel it's uh, it's not as big a deal because you can't give away a preseason ticket. Exactly, because you know why? I, as a rational human being, could not really get excited if my team is doing well because I, I know how how that really just doesn't translate to the regular season now, at all. Th this brings up, and we're kind of – talking around this, you know, mm. with the poor tackling, the mental mistakes, um, you know, of that Florida-Miami game, uh, mm. same thing with, you know, first couple season or first couple season, first couple games of the regular season in, in the pros, you, you see it, you know, they're just not as sharp, and, and once, you know, the season gets rolling around week three, week four, week five, things pick up, and, and you mentioned this about baseball when it comes to bunting and base running, you know, it, in preseason training camp, rarely do NFL teams hit. Do they tackle? Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do that unions negotiated that out, uh, and a lot of it has to do with we we don't want guys to get hurt. I mean, you know, the the, the Texans just lost uh, what was it, Lamar Miller, the running back, blew his knee out in a game. Uh, you know, it's so important, but you know, fundamentals, blocking and tackling, that involves violence, and um, you know, if you wait until the regular season, now you see why these fundamentals, you know, running pass routes, you can run against air all day long, seven on seven. But when you get a guy who lines up and jams you and you've got to get off the line, you know, you can simulate that in practice, I suppose. But right. is it the real thing? You know, and you go back to baseball. You know, you mentioned it, you know, two-thirds, three-quarters of a baseball ro uh, roster used to be able to bunt. Now... Mm -hmm. You know, do we just have a lack of fundamentals? There's so little time. You know, unions have negotiated practice time away. You know, in college, they've got the 20-hour rule. Right. Um, I think, you know, it depends on the sports you're talking about. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, soccer, okay? Growing up playing soccer, we used to have a dad coach the team pretty much all the way up until I got to high school. Now, I was fortunate enough to have a dad who played soccer, but they weren't paid coaches, and the fees and all of that were <laughs> extremely affordable. But um, we didn't get taught a lot of the fundamentals because, well, it was just, you know, soccer in the United States didn't have a lot of dads who had played soccer the generation before. They were football or baseball. So in a sport like soccer, I'll start off there and say, I think that the fundamentals uh, are absolutely being taught at a younger age, uh, light years ahead of what it used to be. Now in these other sports, yes, they, you're talking about uh, restrictions on practice time and, and all these rules that are in place that are, I, I suppose, designed to protect the players. Um, it, with football, you know, I, I gotta say this. I think it's a matter of discipline in a lot of instances with, you know, you see a lot of these mistakes. Uh, let's go back to the Florida-Miami game. First of all, let me just throw this in, and I, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent, but it's bound to happen. Uh, I grew up in South Florida, grew up as a University of Miami fan uh, back before they were successful, back when Schnellenberger was six and six, you know, I used to watch the show. I was just, you know, just a huge fan and I want, supported the team. Even though, you know, I'd scratched the Dolphins off my list, I always supported University of Miami. Was very, uh, very excited when they started being successful. Bernie Kosar wins the national championship, so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, one of the things, even though Miami has not been as good uh, since, what, 2004, 2005, uh, since they won national championship. Well, they've been competitive in the last few years, or we thought they were going to be coming the postseason. They have been historically they're what not, Miami was. They're not. And this is, my, this is one of my biggest things, and I know I got sidetracked and I apologize, but one of the things that bothered me in that Miami game about something Miami did was they were celebrating after their touchdown on the sideline. There was, a, you know, photographers went over there 
players had these rings on. I, I think yeah, it said Miami their, Hurricane. It's, it's their touchdown rings. It's they've their got the okay. turnover chain. They've got <laughs> touchdown rings. Okay, and the turnover chain, you know, I get that sort of a I, – I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, the difference between the swag that Miami used to have and the swag that they're trying to have now comes down to – how good you are, right? There, it's almost trying. trying to manufacture yeah. what it used to be, and I have a big problem with that. You scored one touchdown, okay? That stop, take it easy. It's game one. You haven't even won it yet. You went on to lose it, and you know I'm not going to comment on their play because listen, maybe they're just not as good as Florida. It was hard to tell in that game who was the better team, the way it was played. Uh, and one of the things on that last drive that I think. Uh, that when you were talking about it, I believe Miami put the ball on the ground three times in that last drive. So, you know, going back to fundamentals, you got, you got yeah. one team who fumbled it three times, the other team couldn't recover it those three times. Uh, you've got all these mental mistakes and it comes down to this for me. At some point, you've got to understand the game. Um, you We're talking about baseball, it's the same thing. We've got to be mentally smart about how to play the game and I don't know if when you're talking about fundamentals if you're talking more about technique on how to kick a ball field a ball um, you know whatever it is in either in any sport uh, or if it's the mental side base running in baseball which I've seen her I, I watch baseball all the time because I gamble on it and I see poor base running deciding games uh, you know at least a couple of times a week and these are professionals being paid tremendous amount of money and I've always been told baseball especially is uh, like 90 something percent mental what they mean by that is you've got to know where you're gonna go with the ball before you field it you've got to understand the situation how many outs there are and I know sitting out there sometimes baseball can get boring because it's a long game but you know you've got to know what you're supposed to do. It goes back to the same thing, fielding a ball at the five-yard line have awareness. When, yeah, you, yeah. when you should be letting it go and take the chance of it going into you're the end zone. You're a punt returner. They mm -hmm. teach you stand on the 10-yard line. If it goes over your head, it goes over your head. And if they down it inside the 10, so be it. But you hope right. it runs into the end zone, and it's a touchback. If you feel that at the 7, the 8, the 6-yard line and get tackled, that's a mental error. Well, not only for the field position, but uh, in the Miami game, the guy goes to head, head and tries to catch the ball at the five and winds up fumbling it. And was he at the five? I, I believe know. he was somewhere. He was definitely inside. He was the, definitely inside I, the red I, zone. I could, yeah. you know, I, I'd had a few uh, adult beverages that night, but I think he was pretty close to where he set him up on the doorstep. And yeah. it's a big difference in the game. Oh, one thing I do want to address, too, with that Miami game, you know, we talked about preseason would it benefit, uh, you know, college. I mean, this kicker for Miami goes ahead and misses a chip shot, which was a big deal in the game because obviously then Miami later in the game, now there were a lot of things that could have swayed the score, but that field goal puts you in position to try to kick a field goal at the end of the game to win it. You just can't be missing field goals. I don't care what day of the year it is. I don't care if it's the last week of the season, the first week of the season. That's something that... Field goal kicking at this in this day and age should be automatic, even in college, from inside of uh, 25 yards. Yeah, so yeah. does preseason uh, yeah. help things like that? I don't know. I think that these guys just gotta, you know, they gotta focus. And yeah, I don't think preseason is gonna help kicking so much. No. Is it, it? You know, I, again, I, I used to work for a guy named Mike Lombardi. No relationship. Uh, you know, he he's he was an NFL executive. Now he just wrote a book, which I recommend. Uh, called Gridiron Genius. Look it up on Amazon. Uh, he does a podcast. Um, he does a lot of stuff with, uh, what is it, Vizen, the Vegas Information Sports Network. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's got this couple things that he talks about. One of them is, is that uh, four-point plays. When you've got a third down in field goal range and you don't convert, that's a four-point play. That's assuming you kick the field goal. Mm -hmm. That's an important play. Now, okay, missing the field goal, you know, preseason going to help that? No, but it might help that third down play, third and four, and you don't convert. Um, and now you've gone from scoring a touchdown possibly to kicking a field goal. Four-point play is what he calls it. Um, and in that game, that was a four-point play, mm -hmm. and then it became a seven-point play because they missed it. And how does that affect the game going forward? 
you, you like to put points on the board, but when you kick a field goal, it, it is almost like deflating to me. So, well, depending on the city, if you're kicking a long field goal, and you know, that could be a motivating well, thing. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I but could see. especially, but if yeah, if you come yeah. up short near the red, in, inside the red zone, and you had a fourth and one or two, and that that could be goal. deflating. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, but you know, I think it it to me it goes back to the amount of practicing they do, and you know. Back in the day, you know, they had uh, they didn't have scholarship limits. You know, some of these teams like Nebraska, they'd have a hundred and some kids on scholarship. Now it's eighty five, I think. Um, so you, you know, you're limited, and, and I'm sure the you know the the women's and men's basketball team who has like fifteen, they they'd laugh at you for saying eighty five is not enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I think it all factors into it. There's they they're not practicing enough. You mentioned discipline. You know they don't have enough time to de- to devote to practice because they've got these rules. Mm-hmm. And you know again the pros they've got all day, but the actual on field you know they, they have rules in the collective bargaining agreement that you can't have like two padded practices in a row or something like right, that. Right. You know I don't know the actual details, but it impacts the quality of the game if you ask me. And and yeah. the players they're not playing in preseason for good reason. I understand you don't want them to get hurt, but it affects the quality of the game. So we're going to kind of change topics here. Uh, Chris, you were uh, you were on Facebook. I don't do mm-hmm. Facebook myself, but you were on Facebook and you uh, you saw a, a post that kind of uh, triggered you. That's right, uh, and that's pretty much why I don't go on Facebook very often. And now I'm starting to wonder why I went on Facebook at all. But you know, obviously that was. So what was the post? Okay, so you know. Um, there's a mom uh, who posted their kid's soccer score. It was a high school game. Score was eight to nothing. Uh, the mercy rule in that league is nine. And she, you know, in my opinion, and of course I'm biased, I'm friends with her, but uh, you know, I'm just I'm trying to understand the context of where the person who commented was coming from and I don't get it. Uh, she, you you she, don't get that she posted an eight nothing score. No, Why no, no, would no, you no, put no. that on Facebook? No, 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 I'm sorry. I, I don't get where the person who commented, which I'm going to get to the okay, comment. Yeah. So someone yeah. posted kids lost eight nothing, and then a second person made a comment. Yeah. Well, actually, she posted that her daughter won eight to nothing. Uh, she had had some pictures of the kids. It was the opening night, so she just you know put the score on there. Wasn't meant to hurt anybody's feelings or to go oh. out there and. Uh, you know, embarrass anybody. So the initial post was the team that won yes, eight to nothing. Correct. Okay. Correct. They had won eight to nothing, and uh, someone, and I did not know. I, of course, I assumed at first maybe this was a parent from the other team. Didn't know how the parent who posted it knew the person who were commenting, but the comment basically said, "You ought to be ashamed of yourself for posting this score. The other girls are gonna be scarred for life." I mean, I'm not making that up. That, and I, at first, it was so comical to me, John. Okay, I, so let I me, to, uh, let me sum, <laughs> summarize here. Yeah. Losing the game eight to nothing, yeah. no big deal. But now it's on Facebook. Right. They're scarred for life. They're having to read the score of the uh, game so that's that they worse actually than lived. Actually, getting your butt kicked eight nothing. Apparently, and it was so comical to me at first that I literally, I was. Thinking about this for a while, thinking, is this really dry humor? Is he trying? Is this an attempt at being funny? Um, because of the time we live in, you know, where there are people who go ahead and get so yeah, ridiculous being, yeah. about was running a, up the was, score. Was it satire? Oh, right. you're, you're going to. That's yeah. what I was trying to figure out. So what I did or were was, they genuine? What I did was instead of going ahead and sticking my foot in my mouth and looking like an idiot, I decided to post the person who originally. And I said, hey, you know, did you see your post? Uh, do you know this guy? Is he trying to be funny? And she's like, oh, my gosh. And the relationship was not one where they were good friends. It was basically, well, I don't want to get too far into it, but it was a friend of a friend. And they had, you know, the bare minimum of contact to where you would request them to be your Facebook friend. Uh, in which case, I'm sure they're no, no longer friends after that. But um, she was convinced that he was serious and she was embarrassed by it she took the post down and so the topic basically i guess getting away from that and how ridiculous yeah, the, that the was specifics is what the overall what, what is uh the sportsmanlike score 
you know, because uh, forget about what they were arguing about. It's almost like well, okay. here let, let me yeah. you know again in 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 high school soccer in this area, if you get up nine yeah. by nine goals, game's over. Game's over, even if it's ten minutes into the game, right? That's right. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, that's not. It has to go uh, the, the first half. half. It has half to get time. to the, okay. the half. Half time. So uh, I've got a personal story about this. I uh, started coaching a high school lacrosse team, and this is 15 years ago. And the team, I took over this team. They'd only been around for one year. They hadn't won a game the previous year. So I take over in the second year. Again, haven't won a game. Not real good. Uh, got some talent, which, you know, ended up we were able to put together some success. We ended up making the playoffs in, uh, I think, our third year. So third year of the program, my second year coaching. So second or third game of that first season, uh, we were playing uh, one of the local other high schools. And I guess in this lacrosse league, if you got up by 12 goals, it became a running clock. Right. Which, you know, that doesn't help soccer because it's a running they clock. They actually do have a, when you get to five in soccer, it becomes a running clock. But anyways, back okay. to you. So okay. 12 minutes. So we were down like 14 to two or something like that, you know, getting their butt kicked. And the other coach who I knew, you know, I'd been to the scheduling meeting. I'd gone out to lunch and uh, dinner with him and his wife, who actually, she coached in other high school. So, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a, what I thought was a decent relationship with him. He kind of looks at me and goes, it's it's a 12-point spread. You okay with running clock? And I said, what, what do you mean? I didn't know the rule. And uh, he goes, when you get up by 12, it's running the rule. And, and I was embarrassed for mm -hmm. me and for my team. And I said, you know, hell no. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And one of the kids uh, standing right behind him on the bench goes, it's not like it's a rule or anything. You know, real sarcastic, making fun of me. And um, we ended up, I think, losing like 15 to 5 or something like that. So, uh, you know, that bothered me, as you can tell. It still bothers yeah, me. Yeah, I can understand. Uh, the next year, we played them, and we got up by 12 goals. And I looked over at him, and I said, you ready for that running clock? <laughs> and he just shook his head, and, you know, he kind of knew where that was coming from. Yeah. Unfortunately, that uh, wiseacre on the team had graduated, so I wasn't able to get, you know, a little comeuppance on him. Uh, but, yeah, what, what, is, what is appropriate? You know, you don't want a team to lose 20 to nothing. Well, you don't I want suppose. that. But what you've got to understand is, is that in some instances, okay, every situation's unique, okay? Well, uh, let me finish yeah. my thought. Oh, yeah, is yeah. it better to lose 20 to nothing, or is it better to have the game called at halftime? What's more embarrassing? I, What's more I think I'd rather troubling? lose. I, I don't even have to think about it. I'd rather lose 20 to nothing. And I'll tell you why. There's a lot of reasons why. Uh, like you just you just told the story. Motivate me. Yeah. Motivate me to go ahead and get my team ready so that the next time we play you, we're at least going to do better. Now, as far as if I lost tw by 20, am I going to beat that team next time? Well, probably not. But you know what? First of all, it's it's mental toughness, too. Let me absorb that. Let me go ahead and see how my players are going to react. Are you going to quit? Because if you're that close to quitting because you lose a game 20 to nothing, I don't want you on my team. You know, I want a, a guy who's going to get back to work afterwards and say, okay, now we know where we're at. Now we know what workload we have to get to where we want to be. Okay, let's, um, let's look at it from the team that's winning 20 to nothing. Okay, so you, you get up 7, 8 to nothing. Um, you're probably going to start putting in younger kids. Right. Assuming you've got a, a roster that's got younger kids on it. Um, those kids go to practice all the time. They work hard, hopefully. I assume they do. Um, they don't get as much playing time as maybe your starters, your frontline people. Uh, you know, maybe they're younger. Maybe they're just not as, as skilled. And now this is a chance. I remember when I was in high school, um, I didn't start when I was, you know, uh, a junior for football. And the only time I got to play is when we got up by uh, 28 points. And I, mm -hmm. I went to high school. We had a pretty good football team. So I, I got to play in, uh, you know, two-thirds of the games that, that junior year because we would get up by 28 points a lot of times by halftime. And that's when I got in. And that was the only playing time I got in an actual game that year. Um, so, you know, there is that balance. You want to get your younger kids in. You want to get those second teamers in. To get playing time, so they can improve, and so they can get a re, you know some game game time to reward them for practicing. But do you have to kind of balance it a little? You know, a kid who never plays, 
and let's say that you know now you're playing the team you're going to beat 20 to nothing and they get in and let's say it's soccer and you're midway through the second half and they get a chance to score a goal right you know and that's going to put it from 19 to 20 not that that really matters but you know that's a that's a thing for that kid they got to score a goal Right? Absolutely. And and that's that's where I was going with it. And I also was in that similar situation in college where, you know, I'm not going to sit here and ever. That's one thing. I don't ever pretend to be more than I am. I was a, came off the bench in college, uh, and that's when I would get most of my time. Um, now, we were on a very – I was on a very good team, so I was also in a situation where we'd, we'd get ahead by a certain amount. I'd get to play, and it meant the world to me to go in. I wanted to be part of the team. But from what you're talking about, that kid who comes off the bench in that situation, and what are you going to do? Tell him, hey, you know what? We don't want the score to get too high. So if you get a chance to score, whatever sport it is, don't score. For one, from where I'm standing, don't embarrass me like that. You give me your best. I don't want uh, mom and dad, you know, going ahead and letting me win when I was a little kid, and I don't want it now. You know, uh, let that kid develop, let him have every opportunity, and that's why I hate that the game gets stopped. Now, you do have some programs, and I've run into this in soccer because I did coach uh, high school very recently, actually, when this rule was, it, I actually coached it when it wasn't in place, and when the coaches would go ahead and tell the kids, hey, look, at nine, we're going to stop, and then the, it became the rule, the mercy rule at nine, the game's over as long as it's over first half. Um, but, you know, I hate – we've run into some teams where, you know what, the problem is bigger than them getting beaten in that game. They have some issues with just the program. And, yeah. it, you know, so you show them mercy. Well, you know what, it gets to the point where – I don't know at that point because that's that program's decision. Do you want to keep the program going and be embarrassed constantly? Is it something that – like you said, you you know, it's there's a different situation. You're a startup program. You're just getting started. Okay, that's understandable. It's like expansion in sports. You don't expect to be successful right away. Can you build on it? But if it stays to the point where it's not ever showing any improvement, then maybe there's a decision to be made as far as the future of that program because if it's not fun at all for the kids, well, then the hell with it. You know, I've seen this dozens of times over the years where – uh, teams win in by a lot. This football here we're talking about. Um, somehow, someway, they get down near the goal line and they take a knee with like a minute left. Instead of scoring a, another touchdown, yeah. they take a knee. Again, part of me thinks that's more embarrassing than if they'd scored. Hey, we're not going to run it up on you. Well, this is my, my philosophy on all of it is come kick my ass because I'm going to remember it next time. You know, kick my ass. Go ahead, let those kids, you know, and, and like I said, from the developmental standpoint, the kid coming off the bench, he should have every opportunity to play full out. Uh, and if nothing else, it's yeah. also an opportunity for that yeah. kid to prove that, hey, you know what, I'm improving, and maybe I deserve more playing yeah. time even in a closer game. Yep. There's just all these angles, and so to stop the game, no, you know, no. Yeah, There's it, too it, much other, other positives going into playing the game. Yep. Yep, no, I agree. It it uh, it always bothered me when we, you know, and again, I never had the mercy rule, but I did I did have that experience with the up by twelve, you know, with the running clock, and I, I just didn't. I, it, it was embarrassing to me, and you know, there were games where we got our butt kicked, and 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 so be it. But without beating the subject to death, I want to come back full circle to the post. A guy who goes ahead and first of all, he's talking to a woman like that. You ought to be ashamed. What? But you're part of the, the pussification of America, in my opinion. Yeah. You're so worried about an eight to nothing score. And, and you know, so let's face it, sportsmanship's come a long way in this country. We're doing pretty good with it. But, you know, you're going to sit there and a mom who's proud of their kid, she wasn't, you know, there was so no malicious intent. Social in media house. has basically given everyone license to voice their opinion, however stupid it is. And look, you know, an opinion is still an opinion, uh, but you know what? Maybe that's a conversation he should have had with her personally rather than try to call her out in front of however many hundreds of friends follow her post. Yeah. I mean, he basically did exactly what he uh, accused her of, was embarrassing, embarrassing yeah. you know, people, and that wasn't her intent. Okay, so, well, yeah. we're, we're bumping up against the, uh, we're at 54 minutes of oh, this wow. thing so far, so... Uh, we got an outro here. Um, Chris.
Chris. Here it is. What is it? It's Tuesday, the 27th of August. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, there's some college football games. Chris, you've got one that you like. Uh, well, I'm, I have one like. I'm going to talk about. One um, you're going to talk about, yeah. Yeah, it's a little – what I do uh, when it comes to sports gambling, um, gosh, it's so hard. I know we're trying to wrap it up. That might be actually a topic for another podcast, but I'll go ahead and give you the, the – real short version which is this a lot of people go ahead and they look at a game and they just hey the better team oh better teams only favored a couple points that looks good you know it's it's those trap situations that people get caught in and a lot of people really think the secret to sports handicapping is knowing the leagues knowing the teams the reason I need to know that is because I want to know the general perception out there of the public and then what I try to do is I try to establish what I think the number on the game should be and then I look at what it is, I look at where it goes, and I look at the amount of money being wagered, not just in Vegas, but offshore. And I have a site that helps me to keep up with that stuff. And so I'm gonna give an opinion on the game Thursday night. UCLA is playing Cincinnati. And actually here, uh, all right, here it is right here. Where, where is the game? Is it in The game in is LA? in Cincinnati, oh, I believe in, it. Let Ohio. me make sure, it, yeah, it's not neutral, it's in it's Cincinnati. It's a home game for the, the what are they, the Bearcats? Yeah. Cincinnati Bearcats? That's correct. Right That's correct. The Bruins versus the Bearcats? That's correct. And so, you know, I don't have a whole lot to go into, uh, to read into right now because the season hasn't started. To be honest with you, I don't know that I'll bet this game myself, but it's on ESPN, so I thought it'd be a good topic and also an example. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one in that, obviously, Cincinnati's the better team. They were 11-2 and two last year up against... UCLA, who was three and nine, is that right? I mean, wow, I don't even. Yeah, that was disappointing for them. They got, you know, what's his name? I, you know, the guy. uh, He was at Oregon, then he went to Philly. uh, The coach, uh, very, uh, very innovative offensively, and they just Mm -hmm. really had a down year. But so what I'm looking at here is an obvious situation where Cincinnati should probably be favored more than what they are, which they opened. Do you think it's a you know Pac-10 versus uh, you know Cincinnati's not the you know they're not in a Power Five conference or whatever you want to? Do you think that's factoring well, into it? You know I don't know that people are reading that far into it, John. I just think that they're probably going to look at the records from last year and know that one team was that much more successful than the other. Chip Kelly. That's what we're talking name. about is general perception here. Um, Cincinnati opened at, at a number that actually was probably respectable, four offshore, three and a half in Vegas, and it's now so down. So Cincinnati's a three and a half favorite. Not, not yet, not anymore, excuse me. Oh. Um, they are now down to two and a half, which that crucial number of three, uh, between the fact that it's moving against that crucial number of three, I think the line should be a lot higher. So I come from a contrarian standpoint. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Very, now, yeah. you, you hear that uh, home field is three points. Yes. Right? So that basically means if it's a home game, UCLA's favored by half a point in, in a neutral field, neutral site? Yes, you could say that. Yeah. Okay, go uh, ahead. Fin- I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's here. fine. Yeah, those are things that go into the making of the point spread, which you should if you're serious, you know, and, and like you said, they're guys. Hey, look, I'm not insulting you. I know I used to do it like that when I was a kid. I'd look at the paper. Whatever looked good, you know, that's what I went with. Um, I went to college with a girl who won the NCAA pool one year, cause, and she voted on which na- uh, mascot she liked better. Oh, for a second there, when you said she won the pool, I was about to say, can we get, get her on a podcast and have her talk a little about no, this? No, she, she just but said Until I, you said that, I like, now and, I'm not and, interested at all. And her dad <laughs> went to Syracuse, and Syracuse won it that year. She, she knew nothing. Uh, she just bet. Be I like I like this roster, and I'm gonna take Syracuse because my dad went there. Okay, and so, she, so you know, even the sun shines, right? Okay, um, so what what you gonna you know? Yeah, what we got here is Cincinnati should be a lot higher than this. There's not a lot of support. I also try to. Uh, so if the game were tonight, you might put a little money on Cincinnati. Uh, no, 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 no. See, that's what I'm trying to explain. Is I come from a contrarian standpoint. Since the number is not higher, there's something and it's up. less than what it should be, and it's crossed now a crucial uh, football number, which is three. So you think UCLA is the I'm also looking at where the money is right now, and it's about 60-40 Cincinnati. Should be even more than that. Uh, and 
when I say that, you've got your tickets, which is how many people are betting the game, and then the amount of money. The amount of money is actually favoring UCLA, which I'm starting to get could be smart money. Okay, the so guys who really know what they're doing. So the I'm basically going to piggyback that, and I'm going to take UCLA. Uh, I'd like to, gosh, of course, when you're getting points, you'd like to get the three. You can always buy the half if you don't mind risking a little bit more. Uh, which is what I'll, I will probably do, or, and believe me, I'm not going to get into teasers and all that yet, but if you also would probably a good situation to tease the game with UCLA, uh, it, it's not a game I would get crazy with by no means. Um, you don't feel I don't strongly even, about it. I just, you know, it was a, it was a topic game for me because well, it's, it's going to be on TV yeah, Thursday night, so I thought we'd talk about uh, it. And, uh, yeah. uh, I'd, I'd lean towards UCLA taking whatever points are available. Now, if that line goes up to three or, or higher by game time, I would probably leave the game alone altogether. Uh, but if it continues to drop or stays under three, I like UCLA plus the points. Plus okay. The two and a half. Okay. Well, again, you know, don't check it before the game starts, but we'll see. Um, so we're going to finish up here again, uh, sure. episode one. Thanks for listening. Uh, please subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, the podcast is produced by Caitlin Lombardi and, uh, we're going to go from there and, uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.